Hello, 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 and welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Can I Own podcast, and I am your host, Art Veal. Today, we will be discussing why it is dangerous to buy too much house and how you can protect yourself against doing so once you're ready to buy a house. Now, this is a topic that does not come up often, but I see a lot of families make this mistake and it's very easy to avoid. And I know exactly how people make the mistake because I almost made the mistake years ago when I bought my first home. So I wanted to do a podcast and address the issue so that you could be aware and know how you can protect yourself when you're ready to buy a home. So when it comes to buying a home, um, the typical way many people, and especially before the market crash, and even now I still see it still happening, the typical way people buy a home or figure out how much home they can afford is this. So they look at their budget and a, a family sits down, looks at their budget, and they kind of assess how much they can reasonable, the most they can reasonably afford to spend on a house. Now, this issue comes up quite often with families that aren't uh, financially savvy, people that are not well-versed in finance, which is a lot of families. It doesn't matter about your education level. It doesn't matter about where you've been, um, you know, what you've been doing. But a lot of people just don't know when it comes to uh, figuring out how much home you can afford. So what they do is they sit down, they figure out what well, we can afford this much a month in payment. And so they have that idea in their head and let's, I'm going to, for this conversation, I'm going to assume that they're um, very close, if not ready to get financing. So um, some of you may not be at that point yet, but this is something to keep in mind as you get closer to that point. Hopefully you use some of the tools that Can I Own offers and you're moving closer to getting qualified for a home as we speak. Um... So once you know how much you think you can afford in your mind, then typically they go to a bank or go to a lender or a mortgage broker. They sit down with the mortgage broker. The mortgage broker runs their credit and everything. And they don't look at how much they have to put down. They strictly look at their credit and what loan they can put them in. And then they'll say to them, let's say the family calculates out that they could afford a $120,000 home. I mean, I'm just using that number just for the sake of argument. Then the lender will sit down and say, okay, thanks for coming in. You know, we've looked at everything. And based on what we've looked at uh, and your numbers, we think you can afford about a $210,000 home. And the first thing that the family does is they're, they're kind of freaked out. They're like, wow, $210,000. You know, you, you sure you looked at the same numbers we did? And the lender will say something like, yes, we looked at the numbers. Uh, we take this into account. We take that into account. Based on your gross income and what you can afford, you should be able to afford this this amount. And that's the first that's the first red flag. But I'll come back to that. And so the family says to themselves, wow, I didn't think we could look at that much of a house. But um, OK, we'll we'll look at it. And so they go to their uh, their realtor, sometimes with a pre-approval in hand, sometimes just with the, the knowledge of what kind of house they can afford. And um they either do one of two things. Either they tell the realtor, you know, we want to look at houses up to 210000 because that's what the, the lender told us we can afford. Or some of them start off and say, well, we want to try and find a $120,000 house because that's what we kind of calculated out. The lender will typically, uh, the realtor will take them out, show them some houses, 
Uh, they'll say this is, you know, some houses in the $120,000 range. This is a very dangerous place to be in because when you go look at the $120,000 houses, a lot of times they're okay. They're nice. But if your, lent, if your realtor takes you to look at one $200,000 house or a $210,000 house, you're going to be blown away. Because in most cases, the $200,000 house has a lot more going for it. It's got more square footage. It's got sometimes a nicer area. It might have a better school system. It might have a, a three-car garage versus a two-car garage. Or it has whatever it has. It's going to look better than the $120,000 house. And at first, you all are going to say to yourselves, oh, man. We really like that house, but I don't know. That's a little bit out of our budget. That's a little bit more. And what the mind does, what as human beings, what we typically do is emotionally, you've made a connection to that house. So emotionally, you want that house in, in the back of your mind. While you're thinking of all the benefits of that house in the back of your mind, there's a little piece of you uh, thinking about how cool it'll be to have your friends over to this nice house. And, you know, you'll be able to show everybody look at what you've accomplished and everything else. And so that all plays a part into making the decision. So when it comes to using logic at this point, your logic is actually working because of your mind. Your logic usually is working to support why you really can't afford this $200,000 house or this $210,000 house. So by the time you sit down and it's time to make a decision, especially if the realtor is saying, well, there are a lot of people interested. You need to make a decision. Um, but it makes it much more difficult to go back and look at a $110,000 or $120,000 house because that house just doesn't carry the same weight that the $200,000 house was. So a lot of people go ahead and make the decision and they say, you know what, we'll, you know, I think we can swing it. We'll just figure it out. Or the worst thing you think of is, you know, we'll figure out we're close, so we should be able to manage it. We'll figure the rest out. And that starts the whole process of putting you into more house than you can afford. Well, the danger with this whole thing is that a lot of times when the lender calculates out what you can afford, they don't take certain things into account. They don't take a things like the added cost of the electricity bill, the added cost of the gas bill, the added cost of more lawn maintenance, the added cost of uh, with a bigger house, there are more things to break, um, the added cost of possibly higher taxes. They don't take a lot of that stuff into account. And you don't take it into account sometimes. Um, and then so you think you start to think just your like I said, your logic tries to support your emotional decision. And you'll say, OK, I think we can swing this. I think we can swing it. And once you're in the house and you show it to all your friends and you show it off to everyone. The the other issue is, you know, now you're in this bigger house. You know, you can't move into this bigger house without getting better furniture or new furniture. So now you've either got to buy this new furniture cash, which will deplete your savings or should deplete, you know, some of your savings. Or you've got to finance this this furniture, which is a long term depletion of your savings because it's going to cost you more on your monthly income. It's caught. It's taking more out of your monthly income. So when you look at it now, you've not only paid more for the house with a higher note, you're also paying more for the taxes, more for the upkeep and maintenance. You're paying more for the furniture that you're financing or you're paying more for you paid more cash for the furniture that you bought. And it takes out of your savings and puts you, uh, you know, a little bit closer. So it's very easy to fall into this trap. Um, I'm sure many of you have heard 
the, what I'm about to tell you, but it's, it rings very true in this scenario. It's best to live below your means. Um, there's always a chance that you can afford more, but the smart person is someone that says, even though I can afford more delayed gratification, they say, even though I can't afford more, I'm going to live on less and I can use the money that I save and I don't spend to do other things, to improve myself, to, um, you know, buy other investments that can then in turn make me money. So it takes a very disciplined person to make that kind of decision. But that's the kind of thing that's needed here. Now, having said all of that, I wouldn't feel I was doing my part to educate you if I didn't tell you an alternative way to do this and still accomplish the same goal. So the alternative way to do this is uh, a little technique that I use all the time called gradual modification or gradually stepping up. And what essentially you are doing with gradually stepping up is instead of looking at a home as an investment, I mean, or as a home, which it is, looking at it as an investment and using that investment to work on your behalf. So now I've told you the way that it typically goes with a lot of families when buying a house. Let me give you the alternative way this situation can go if you use the gradual method, gradual gratification method, you know, that I'm discussing. So you go through the same thing. You figure out that you can afford a $120,000 house. You um, go to the lender. They tell you you can afford a $220,000 house. You're excited. Instead of going to even see the $220,000 house, you stick to your budget of $120,000. In fact, what you do is you look for an area. If you ever, you're, you're going to, the, the way this technique works, you're going to look for an area and a house that's going to appreciate in value or something that you can add sweat equity to. So let's say you've got a house that you see for 120000 or even 100000 and that house needs a little bit of work. So it's not the nicest house, but you look at it and if you were to go and uh, do work and improve this house and maybe it's, you know, it's livable, but it, it could be better. If you do improvements to this house, the house could be worth more. You go in and buy this house, which you can easily afford. You've got more savings now. You've got a lower monthly payment. And you live in that house with the plan of living in it for a year to two years. And you fix it up and make it even nicer. You do improvements to the property. And then you sell that house. Now, when you sell that house, you're going to sell it for more than you bought it for because now the house is in better condition. And hopefully you bought... What I like to do as an investor is I try to buy the worst house or a, 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 the worst house in the best neighborhood. So now you bought the property up to the value of the neighborhood um, and then you sell that house. And let's say you sell that $110,000 investment house that you bought that you lived in for a year or two years and you sell it for $150,000. Now you've got um, you've paid off this house or you've paid off the house and you've got about $40,000 left over. Uh, because you were able to sell it at a profit. Plus, you've got the money that you put down that you get out of the house. So let's say you've got $45,000, for example. Now you take that $45,000 and you put it down on a $180,000 house in the same scenario, where it's a $180,000 house, but it's the worst house in the best neighborhood. So this $180,000 house might be uh, a nice uh, or a house that needs work in the two hundred and twenty, two hundred and forty thousand dollar area. You do the same thing. You stay there for a year or two. It's a bigger house, nicer area. You fix it up, do some improvements to it, 
and you've paid less down because you put the down payment down. I mean, you paid less for the house because you put down a hefty down payment. You fix it up. Uh, and then let's say after a year or two, you sell that same house, let's say for 235. So now you went from 180 to 235, which gives you roughly $55,000 to play with on the next house. Now you go look at the $210,000 house or a house similar. You can do the same thing, buy a house that needs some work, or you can buy the house that you really like. Now you got fifty-five, $60,000 to put down on that house. So that drops that $210,000 house down to $130,000. But, you know, $130,000, dollars But now you've gotten into a much lower, you, you're, you're borrowing much less to buy that same house. And you're using that money to further... Uh, you know, to make your money work for you. So you've made your money work for you through this time and you've still gotten a nice house. Um, you can actually, now to give you an example, you can actually use this same technique to pay off a house. I've seen several people do this technique where they plan to move every two years, buying the worst house in the best neighborhood and they fix the house up, do improvements to it. They don't have to do the work themselves. They can hire contractors if you're not a handy kind of person, but they get the work done, improve the house, and they sell it, and then they keep reinvesting the money they make on the house into a new house till they get to a point where after about six or seven houses, so this might take a 10 or 12 year period, but you're steadily moving up, that by the time they get to the sixth or seventh house, they're paying cash for the house and they have no mortgage. And so they buy a house in an area they like, and they've paid it off all with the money they've made from the houses that they've bought and sold. And they're paying, they pay for their last house cash. Now, that might sound a little bit crazy to you, but if you think about it, let's say you're in your early to mid-20s or even your late 20s or even your, your early 30s or 40s. It really doesn't matter. And this process were to take you a 10 to 12-year period. How would you like to, without stressing or doing much, and getting to move every two years, you can stay in the same area or you can move to a different area. But at the end of a 10 or 12 year period, if it takes you that long, it might not even take you that long. You own your house free and clear and you paid for it cash and you didn't, you know, you didn't have to, you know, do any kind of this isn't an extravagant plan. This is just a simple, gradual progression of buying a house in the, you know, that needs a little bit of work. Or it's not up to par with the other houses in the area, fixing it up a little bit and then selling that house. And when I say up to par with the other houses in the area, it does not have to be a dilapidated, you know, there are flies flying around the house. You know, it doesn't have to be something really bad. It can just be a house that doesn't have all the amenities or isn't as nice as some of the other houses in the area. So, for example, a house in the $150,000 area might be only $110,000 because the house needs new siding or it needs new windows or it needs uh, the flooring in the house is old and dated or it could use, um, you know, the, the it needs paint, flooring, windows, that kind of thing. You want to focus on houses that need cosmetic improvements to tech, do this techniques because you can do those cosmetic improvements and they add a lot of value. You want to stay away from houses that need things like, let's say, a new furnace or a new roof. Because unless they're giving a substantial discount because of the fact it needs a new roof or something like that, um, basic repairs, like things that are neglected repairs, don't often add a lot of value to a house. So a house that needs an updated kitchen, 
will be able to add more value by updating that kitchen versus a house that needs a new roof because when people move into a house, they expect it to have a roof. So to update the roof is not really a great benefit um, and it's costly. But if you spend $10,000 on a new kitchen versus $10,000 on a roof, you're going to get more bang for your buck out of that kitchen. So you want to try to find a place that needs maybe cosmetic improvements more so than the basic systems improvements. Basic systems are um, plumbing, electrical um, the roofing, maybe the windows. You want to look for something that needs kitchen improvements, kitchen updates, bathroom updates, uh, flooring updates, maybe new walls or paint on the walls, something like that. Those are the kind of things you want to stay with. But using this technique, you can definitely make sure that you don't overpay or extend yourself too far. And if you want to be extreme about it, you can use it to actually buy a home eventually cash and not have to put any financing together. So, I hope this technique helps you. If you know, if you have questions or you're not sure about something I've explained in the technique, then please, by all means, leave a comment below. Uh, I would love to uh, get your feedback and you know your thoughts on this process and questions about it. So leave a comment below, and I will talk to you about it from there. Uh, this has been Artville and the Can I Own podcast. I hope you are having a great day, and I look forward to talking with you next time. Have a good one. Bye-bye.